You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. Hey, Casper. I'm Brandon. <laughs> uh, A.K.A. DJ Green Gas. <laughs> what? What yeah, does that you even heard, mean? Like the green gas from one of the ghosts in Casper. Oh, the stinky ghost who burps a lot? Yeah, glad we had to explain it. You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned, the show where we take some of your favorite movies from the 1990s and early 2000s, and we take off the rose-colored glasses that you have about these movies, and then we burn them in a pit and uh, sacrifice them to the fire god. <laughs> All right, we're back to we're back to insane. We're back, baby. <laughs> this is movie number three of our Oktoberfest. I'm super excited. Yeah, we're also getting buzzed here, drinking a few brewskis. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, that was a really unsatisfying. That was really lame. This is a flat alcoholic <laughs> beverage. All right. Well, today we're going to be covering 1995's live action family comedy fantasy film. Casper. The Friendly Ghost? No, it's just Casper. Again, yeah, so this is loosely based on the Harvey Comics cartoon character Casper the Friendly Ghost, and uh, if you recall, our lead character's last name is Harvey. Harvey. Pretty nice little nod there. What you'll notice is there's a lot of deep subtext here. There's a Not lot. a lot on the nose here in Casper. There's a lot going on in this movie, and uh, what what was your history with Casper? So Casper was a movie I watched a lot. I had the uh, big old fat clamshell uh, VHS case, mm-hmm. and was one of those movies that kind of appealed to me again because it was kind of... Not necessarily in the horror genre, but it was a you know a little darker family fair, and uh, yeah, I, I was a huge fan of this movie. Yeah, I was too. I I really liked Casper the cartoons. Uh, I remember when this movie came out, I was super excited for it, and I remember loving the movie too. Uh, despite clearly now that I I've seen it now, uh, not fully knowing what was happening, dude. This is a movie that I feel like kids have a lot of questions oh, when it finishes yeah. about mortality, about religion. I have questions. <laughs> I am riddled with As questions. As a 25-year-old man, I have questions. Uh, this has a 6.0 on IMDb and a 44% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. It's uh, directed by a guy named Brad Silberling. This was his first film. He also went on to do a couple other movies uh, throughout the 90s and early 2000s. He did City of Angels with Nick Cage. I don't remember if you remember that. Yes, That's a romantic I, movie. Yes, I remember. Uh, a Stay Tuned. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> no, kidding. no, no, no. Uh, he did Moonlight Mile, which I kind of remember with Jake Gyllenhaal. It was kind of a lesser, think, smaller movie. I don't think I ever saw uh, it. But you probably do remember a series of unfortunate events. Of course. Yes. And yep. he also did uh, The Land of the Lost film with Will Ferrell. <laughs> so, yes. so, he's, so what you're saying is he's amazing. He's a hit-or-miss type of filmmaker, yeah. okay? okay. Uh, so this was a pretty big box office hit. Uh, it was made for about $50 million, which back in 95, those were big buckaroonies. Yeah. Uh, but it made $100 million in the U.S., $287 million worldwide, uh, wound up coming in eighth for the year of 95, and was so successful that it went on to spawn direct-to-video follow-ups, uh, including one starring Hilary Duff. Yeah, I remember, remember that. That, that was the Wendy and Casper one, right? Yes, that's yeah. right, that's right. Um, and it also went to spawn an animated television spin-off the spooktacular new adventures of casper which is it a spin-off if it's 
I think just based on based the character. Based on the again. old, yeah. okay, yeah. There's no references to Bill Pullman, I can tell you that. Which Sadly, is a damn shame. It is a damn shame for sure. Uh, there were also several video games based on this, or tied in with the film anyway, released on the major consoles. They had, you know, Super NES, Sega Saturn, PlayStation, Game Boy I Color. mean, listen, they hyped this movie stuff. up ridiculously. Yeah, well, I mean, this there was, was a, a lot of commercials for this. There yep. were toys. I, everything was going for this movie. Yeah, this was a Burger King or McDonald's movie. I can't mm-hmm. remember which, but one of them had the toys. This was an Amblin Entertainment movie, so it was executive produced by Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. So I guess let's just let's just dive in. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so we start off, interestingly enough, in a, a main town here. This actually takes place, for the most part, in Friendship, Maine. And for a lot of people listening now worldwide to Nostalgia Be Damned, uh, we record in Maine. So this was uh, kind of interesting for us to see. Uh, we, I mean, we've both been to Friendship, Maine, the place where this movie takes place. It was kind of cool seeing some of the scenery there as something that we've both seen. There are shockingly few movies shot in Maine because the tax incentives are so terrible here. Right. Uh, and so it's pretty interesting to see, you know, shots of Friendship and whatnot. And they also shot in the fall, which I feel like, one, is just very difficult because it's such a short time period or time frame. Yeah, especially um, up here. It's especially crazy, up yeah. here. Uh, but you're able to get a lot of those beautiful fall colors. It, it feels like a nice fall October movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, this movie, I think, takes place on or near Halloween. Yeah. And it's it certainly feels like it, besides the fact that it revolves around ghosts, it feels like just a good fall movie to kind of curl up and watch when it's a little cold outside. The director of photography is actually Dean Cundy who lends uh, Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween. Oh, wow. So it's a good-looking movie, too. And and mm-hmm. I remember when this came out, this was billed as a very special effects-heavy movie, and the visual effects at the time were pretty groundbreaking. In fact, it was the first feature film to have a fully CGI character in a leading role. Wow. And let's talk about the look of Casper itself, okay? Because it's a lot of this is based upon the fact that as soon as you see this character, you flip your shit and you scream. And I understand, like, if I ever saw a ghost, yeah, I'm going to lose my shit. I'm probably going to poop my pants. Right. But at the same, in the same respects, he looks like a cartoon character. He well, does it's not very, look human yeah, at all. It's very faithful to the old cartoons. I yep. mean, he's got a very round head, big blue eyes, only four hand, or four fingers, which they make a joke about in the movie later on. Yeah, you lose a finger when you become a ghost. Apparently. It's common knowledge. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, I mean... Even the ghosts that are supposed to be scary in this movie are not really that scary at all. Yeah. They all look very cartoony, and I guess, like we mentioned earlier, it's supposed to be faithful to the cartoons, but at the same time... You know, do you really buy that everybody's that terrified in this movie? We, there's a point in this movie where grown men are sprinting away from this house because they see these cartoony-looking ghosts. Yeah, and, and again, it, it, some of these characters are even expecting to see ghosts, mm-hmm. and yet are so frightened by the the sight of this character. It's just a little, it's just a little strange. I found it a little weird. It's a twelve-year-old boy ghost. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. All right, so. And that's the other thing. His character backstory is tragic. Now, yeah, it's very sad. From what I understand, the character of Casper is not a, a dead child in the cartoon series. He's just a, he's just a ghost. No, he's just a ghost. I don't know if we ever find out his backstory. I don't think we ever even supposed to believe he lived a life. But in here, it's a very weird thing to make a dead kid the lead of your children's film. I mean, they do a good job of it. I yeah, guess they do. I mean, it's just really weird and and dark. It's kind of yeah. fucked up. But uh, all right, let's get into it. So. Like I said, I love the way this is shot. It's pretty dark, and, and I like the way this opens. It's in the gate of this Whipstaff Manor in Maine. These two 90s kids arrive on bikes, and they're, you know, they have been, I guess, 
basically dared by the local kids, I guess, to go inside and take a picture to prove that they were actually in the house. Um, so immediately we got a B and E in the opening minutes of yep, the film. Yep, I like that, dude. Yep, a nice little felony to start off. <laughs> or is that a misdemeanor? Oh, yeah, that you're only getting a slap on the wrist, probably. Yeah. I don't know. It depends. It For depends. breaking into a condemned property. Yeah, that's the other thing. This thing is enormous, but oh, it's yeah. got this huge history um, and is now inherited by Kerrigan Crittenden, who's this like, really neurotic and spoiled heiress. Anyway, before we get to that, they try to they argue over who takes the picture. Casper comes down and eventually takes the picture, and we get this cool little photo fall on the ground, a little zoom in, and I actually kind of like this as the opening of the movie. It really sets the tone. Yeah, no, and like the, I, I I was wondering when this shot played, it's it shows a Polaroid drying, and I was wondering if that was like time lapsed or if it was just CGI'd of this Polaroid. It looked kind of cool. Yeah, it, it, it held up in, in my opinion. Anyway, however yep. they did it, but the kids are like you know freaking out in the picture and. Then we get a little, like, ghost uh, Casper logo there, and then we're immediately cut to Ben Stein from Clear Eyes. Oh, yes, of course. He's reading over this uh, will and testament of, like we mentioned, Kerrigan Crittenden. Um, her father has died, and she pretty much learns that the only thing he left her in his will is this Whipstaff Manor. So her attorney is played by Eric Idle. I forgot Eric Idle was in this movie. Eric, I did too, and I love Eric Idle. Very upset with his role in this film. <laughs> Super upset. I love Eric Idle. I love Monty Python. Yep. So to see him just reduced to essentially a jester, a court jester in this yeah. movie was just sad. He's a sniveling kind of like douchebag. He plays her assistant, um, Dibs. And essentially, once you know Ben Stein winds up leaving, she gets really pissed off. Like, how can this only be the thing he left me? So she's so pissed off, she throws the will in the fire, which reveals this invisible ink that pretty much says that there is treasure or gold buried within somewhere or hidden in Whipstaff. I think they specifically say treasure because they don't want you to think that there's gold down there because you know treasure has a lot of different meanings. You know, so Very we true, treasure. Yes. I treasure our friendship. Oh, well, that's But it nice, doesn't have it? a monetary value, and that sucks. Well, I'd put it at six bucks. Yeah, okay. If Meaning if someone offered me six dollars to no, no longer be your friend, I'd take it. Okay, so now that we've we're, we've established that... Hey, look, Casp! <laughs> <laughs> now that we've established that... So this is the beginning of, I would say, a goddamn parade of cameos, okay? So... Basically, once they arrive at Whipstaff, they see, yeah, it's a dilapidated mansion. It looks like shit. And guess what? There are goddamn ghosts inside because when they arrive, again, Casper reveals himself. He's like, I don't want to show myself every single time I do this. People wind up freaking out. He does. They do. Do they see the uh, group, the trio of, of the ghosts at this point yet? Well, so one of the things that Casper says is, don't scream because you'll wake up my three brothers. That's right. And they're the ones that come down and they scare them and they run out and they're like, we have to get to the treasure, but we've got to get rid of the ghosts. So they call in an exorcist. Yeah, this is actually Father Guido Sarducci, who's a famous SNL character. Who's yes. reprising his role. Um, he comes out after, you know, entering the building pretty much like, hey, everything's going to be okay, you know, doing his is SNL routine. Yeah. He comes out like covered in puke with his head completely turned around. Yep, not dead, just not like dead. De and not in pain, just like, yeah, yeah, everything went okay. Then the saddest one of them all uh, is this... uh, Dan Aykroyd rocking a thick mustache, running out of this building saying, Who are you gonna call someone else? And he's in full Ghostbusters. They couldn't get Ernie attire. Hudson nope. to, to do this. They couldn't get anybody else to to agree to sh shamefully <laughs> I mean, he's in, this is the worst, uh, dude. That one, that 
I was legitimately sad when I saw that. <laughs> That's, I, I can't work around it. I was just like, oh, dude, no, come on. So basically, Casper's like, you know, really sad and lonely and depressed, and he's flipping through the channels, and he starts watching this news report, which is this episode of, I think it's hard copy. Dude, yeah. this is the most salaciously written news story I've ever seen. Oh my god, they go it's for the throat. Yeah, they really do. I mean, at one point, so they're describing Bill Pullman's character. He's a ghost therapist. His name is uh, Dr. James Harvey, and so he's obsessed with ghosts. He believes that all ghosts have unfinished business. They're, they're not here to hurt anyone. They just simply can't cross over because there's something in their life that needs to be, you know, closed out, finished, accomplished before they can cross over to heaven or hell or whatever happens after this. Uh, so in this little episode, it's like the hard copy interviewers are also following his daughter, who's played by Christina Ricci, who plays Cat. And there's all these like amazing like why don't you talk to us? Like, have you ever seen ghosts before? Yeah, Did like, your dad hurt you? There's like, yeah, they're following her while she's on this playground at school. And at one point they call her a loner too. That's how they describe her. Dr. Dr. Harvey's a loner daughter. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. It's like, whoa, who the Jesus hell are you guys? Christ. Yeah. Fake news. Fake uh, news. So Casper at this point decides he wants uh, Kerrigan, or Crittenden, sorry, he wants her to know uh, about Bill Pullman. He'd rather have Bill Pullman deal with that character because he, he feels that, you know, and maybe I can finally either cross over or something. Maybe this guy can help out. Well, I think he's also talking about befriending the daughter, too, right? That's right, because he wants a friend. That's kind of his whole thing. And Christina Ricci's talking about how she wants a friend. Uh, yeah, I mean, she's described on the news as a loner. And they're moving to Friendship, Maine. Again, subtext is from deep. yeah from Santa Fe. <laughs> uh, so basically, he he travels through the electric currents of the telephone wires or some shit to make his way into uh, Crittenden's apartment or hotel, rather I should say, and pretty much turns on the tube so that she's watching the Bill Pullman thing. She stops and thinks, "Oh, maybe I'll give this dude a ring." So that's the thrust of the story. Bill Pullman's character is coming to Maine with his daughter to see if he can try to rid this house. Of the ghosts. And her, his daughter's not about it. She's always talking about, like, uh, we always keep moving. I can't make any friends because we keep moving. I don't believe in ghosts. You believe in ghosts. You suck, Dad. I hate you. Yeah, well, she says that, that in the past two years, they've been to nine, she's been to nine different schools. That's a lot. And it seems like he's kind of a failure at this job. He's never once really communicated with ghosts. Is that what I'm like to believe? I don't think he says he's even seen a ghost before. So why would they do a hard copy episode on a guy who's... <laughs> just says that ghosts exist and that he wants, he hopes that they have unfinished business. It seems like he's not a successful ghost therapist is what I'm getting at. Content is content, dude. That's true, dude. They need to fill a show. Yep. Um, so on this car ride to Maine, essentially, we find out a little bit about their past. So Bill Pullman's wife uh, is now dead. Uh, does it ever say how she died? No, it doesn't. So she's played by Amy Brenneman and... Uh, we get a little bit of her later on and, and a few pictures, but she's really not in this movie at all for the most part. No, not for very long. But it seems like her death has caused, you know, a rift between the two of them. And has that is was her death the inspiration for him to be a ghost therapist? Yeah, well, because he's trying to communicate with his dead wife because right. he, he really hasn't accepted the fact that she's dead. And so he's just trying to find a way to get in contact with her. What was he beforehand, do you think? I I know like man. Have you worked I, at McDonald's? 
I think he worked at McDonald's, if I had to guess, and then he got a therapy degree. Well, no, he got his degree at Johns Hopkins, so maybe he was just a normal therapist. Maybe, yeah, he just went from normal people to ghosts. Yeah. All right. Because that's that's what a therapist would do. (laughs) Someone who, like, trains in the idea of the human psyche completely turns on its heels and goes for dead people. So they make a deal that if, you know, they get to this house and there's nothing there, they'll stop moving and, you know, they'll plant roots and this will be it. Like, he understands that he's been kind of ruining her childhood. And, uh... He makes a bet. Let's talk about Christina Ricci for a second. I understand both of us had pretty big crushes as a kid. Big crust on Christina Ricci. Yeah. Um, Adam's family. Yep. That darn cat. Oh, my God. I forgot about that darn cat until you brought it up earlier. <laughs> I was so amped up about that. But, yeah, no, she was kind of all over the place as a child actress. Yeah, she was also in uh, one of our choices for our Halloween lineup there, Sleepy Hollow. She is in There's Sleepy another Hollow. actor who comes up here later on that's in another one of those choices. We'll get to that a bit later, yeah. though. All right, so Bill Pullman then turns around. He's been driving this entire direction in the opposite direction. <laughs> so he has to turn around to go back to Maine. Yeah. So I, uh, That John Hopkins degree didn't teach him how to read maps, like, apparently, or which way be... east is. <laughs> supposed to be like brilliant but at the same time he's a ne'er-do-well just bumbling bumbling, dude so they both wind up meeting dibs and uh kerrigan and they pretty much set up the whole movie give him some flowers really rudely and she is the worst by the way her voice is so raspy Mm -hmm. and just strange yeah she's a great villain though she's a really good antagonist yeah she's played by kathy moriarty um and yeah she does she does a pretty good job Mm -hmm. sadly sad eric idol on her on her shoulder there damn so Kat goes inside uh, to try to find a room, and we can talk a little bit about the set design. It's actually pretty cool. I like the way this house is constructed. No, it's a cool mansion, um, and a lot of it's really cool. The only thing that I would probably uh, poo-poo on was the fact that it's covered in cobwebs. And when we say covered, I mean there's literally not a square inch of this set that doesn't have spider webs or cobwebs all over it. Yeah, and no one attempts to clean them. Nope. It's really weird throughout it, the whole movie. It seems so. It seems like the front exteriors is like a built set. Every time you see an extreme wide shot of the the place, it's like a CGI or yeah. some sort of matte painting or whatever they do. But the inside are all sets, and it's really this cool architecture. I really like the way this looks. No, yeah, well designed. So as she goes around to try to find the room she wants to kind of put up shop in or whatnot, Casper's doing this. We get our first inkling of what Casper's like as a guy, and he's a creepy. He's a creeper. He's a goddamn he's creeper. Weird. He's weird, man. Because he's just watching her this entire time, and you know he wants to build up the confidence to talk to her, and he's you know tired of all these people coming in here and screaming and shitting their pants and running away, and he really <laughs> wants to make a good impression on her, understandably, because she's Christina Ricci, and yeah. he's 12 years old, apparently. Yeah. So at first, she opens one of these doors and finds what appears to be the bedroom of these three ghosts. Let's let's get into them. There's Stretch, Fatso, and Stinky. Jesus Christ. Why they have their own room, why they need beds in general. Right. I don't understand, and I also don't understand... The movie breaks its own rules. All right, let's get into what pisses me off the okay, most. Okay, yeah, about we'll this stop movie. with the plot really quick. Address this before moving on. Because the ghosts can at times feel humans and grab humans and grab uh, physical objects mm-hmm. and 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 throw them and move them and bounce them around. At one point, a suitcase is dropped on Casper and he falls under the weight of it. Yeah, and then other times they go right through things. They pass people, pass through them. Things pass through them. It seems like they have the ability to become transparent and opaque without actually becoming opaque. Like, they can manipulate... 
so we were trying <laughs> we were trying to figure this out whether or not uh this is something that they do intentionally um or if it's just inconsistencies within the movie. It is. It's a plot. It's like whatever the plot needs them to do, they're going to do. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's a point where he gets a box crushed on him during this whole thing. And it's just it's just so strange. He Another also turns time, into her pillow. and, she, and Another time they get sucked up by a vacuum and they're stuck inside the vacuum. Yeah. And they're moving and making. Yeah. And they have they create mass inside the vacuum. Yeah. I just it's very strange because then they can also create guns mm-hmm. that shoot actual bullets later on in the movie. Casper uh, uses his hand as a strainer at one point. <laughs> yeah, for juice. It's unfucking believable yeah. But anyway... That aside, let's get back into what's now going on Now that we've here. established that, that we hate that in the movie. <laughs> so he finally gets the courage, I guess, to to talk to her. He accidentally, what, what she shoves a sock into his mouth. He spits it back into the back of her head and she kind of slowly turns around and like everybody else, screams. And then is it at this point he covers her mouth to stop screaming or is that later no, on? No, that's later on. Oh, yeah, that's on, later yeah. on. But that's a disturbing image. Yeah, really weird. <laughs> But no, so she screams and Bill Pullman comes in and she tells him, I saw a ghost, it flew away, it's scary. And Bill Pullman, for someone who's a ghost therapist, is like strangely skeptical about this. <laughs> yeah. He's like, nah, ghosts aren't real, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't say that, but he might no, no, well he up, you know what I mean? Yeah, no. <laughs> but it, you know, because I think what happened was they were writing the scene and the writers came to that point where like, oh shit, this is normally when she would tell an adult and the adult wouldn't believe her. But the adult's supposed to be in on But the adult's (laughs) supposed to be the only one who believes in ghosts. Where do we go from here? (laughs) So they write around it a little bit. Yeah, they resolve it pretty quickly. He's like, yep, no ghosts under the bed, no one here. And then he opens the closet and Casper's just like standing there. So then he gives this great little like sideways shout. (laughs) Shuts the door and like grabs his daughter and runs around the house, throws her in a closet at some point. Terrible. And then... Dem ghost boys with a Z arrive. <laughs> All three of them, bro. <laughs> Stretch, Fatso, and Stinky. And Stretch is like the leader... Uh, stinky smells a lot. He just burps all the time. No farts. Sadly, not a single fart except for a fart noise made yeah. out of a mouth by Bill Pullman later on the film. Way later on in the film. Missed opportunity. Oh, no. I mean, there's a character named Fatso, and there's no <laughs> fart jokes. Yeah. Unbelievable. He's voiced by Brad Garrett, by the way. Yes, he is. Raymond. Raymond. <laughs> um... So if you know anything about Casper and sort of uh, what the three ghost brothers and Casper are like, uh, they all have, like, distinct personalities or power. Stretch is obviously a very stretchy person. Yep. Uh, Fatso is fat. I don't know how that's a power, but he is. And then Stinky has, like, this power to, like, breathe noxious green gas on you, a.k.a. DJ Green Gas. Thank you for that, yeah. Um, But... I think you only ever see this happen like once or twice in the whole movie. I think he only does the green gas thing like once. He does it twice, I think. Two, twice, maybe. maybe? Yeah, at least twice. Okay. Uh, but that, it doesn't matter. because what, Like, the ghost stretch can stretch, but they all can fucking stretch if they wanted to. Right, like, the laws can, of gravity and matter don't matter to right, them. They I can guess all I, do like whatever they want. Yeah. I don't know why they like are distinctly defined by these couple of things, but I did think it was interesting that um, they kind of build around the idea that they're all distinct and then don't really touch on it very much in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Pullman gets like freaked out so much that he faints, and then all three of them jump into his body. And this is the only time that anyone really gets possessed, right, through the movie. Yeah. And that's kind of what he is. Although his possession is simply he goes into the bathroom to wash his face. And then we get another parade fucking of cameos where yep. he turns into Clint Eastwood. And these are the real actors. They're not pulled from clips from other movies. They nope. had these people come in and do this scene. It's Clint Eastwood, and then it's Rodney Dangerfield, and then it's Mel Gibson, and then it's the Crypt Keeper. Oh, yeah, the Crypt Keeper. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. And I just, and then he like freaks out, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. Then he's possessed. They jump out of his body, and. Uh, then they There's get, a stupid like f- sword fight on the stairs, essentially. Yeah, like a with plunger, like a plunger, and yeah. an umbrella, and like Bill Pullman kind of wins because he finds the uh, he finds the vacuum cleaner and sucks them in, and that's when we get that vacuum cleaner scene where they're like stuck inside a vacuum bag. There's also a great line from Brad Garrett as he's getting oh, yeah. sucked in, and he's like, "This sucks." <laughs> I miss Ray. <laughs> Raymond. Raymond. So yeah, they're sucked in the vacuum cleaner, and so the next scene is probably the most memorable from my childhood, and it's this breakfast scene where he makes them breakfast. There's this stupid breakfast machine that I guess his dad made. I don't know, whatever. Casper, by the way. Yeah, yeah, Casper. So yeah, not Pullman. I wish. You know I know wish I mean? it was Pullman. So again, he's pouring orange juice through his hand, and he strains the pulp out. Mm-hmm. Then he can grab the glass and bring it over. And again, this is a kids' movie. There's no reason to really read into it that deep. But the the movie consistently breaks its own rules, and it's not it's it's a thing of laziness rather than them just you know you know what I mean? Like yeah, it was just like look what we can do with CGI and look you yeah know, that seems like all it was, and they didn't really think about consistency. And you're like you're right, it is a kids' movie, so I guess they don't really need to do that, but it it, it does come off as slightly lazy. So Cat and Casper are having a conversation and whatnot, and she's asking him like you know what's it like to you know be you or whatnot and he goes to like touch her hand and at this point they don't actually touch like his hand goes through her hand and there's this whole little moment whatever and then there's this pretty awesome apocalypse now reference for the kids i guess like and all the three of the ghosts come down to the breakfast table and they force casper by the way these ghosts i believe are his uncles Mm. Or they behave as his uncles. He's, again, a 12-year-old. They beat the shit out of this kid. Oh, There's some so child mean. abuse happening. Yeah, they're so mean to this kid. Um, and they demand food from him, too. And so Casper brings out, it looks like this smorgasbord of, like, Little Debbie snacks. And Sundays. Sundays yeah. and cake and shit. And so they're all just stuffing it down their gullets. And then it pans under the table. And you realize the ghosts are just, like, it's going through them and dropping down onto the floor in this disgusting disgusting heap of sugar and crap yeah it's undigested food that's just falling out of them they're chewing it but it's not like going through their body any sort of like stomach acid or anything literally just falling up chewed up food what the hell's the point of that it's so dumb do they are they gaining sustenance from that what's happening do they have taste buds if they stop eating do they super die (laughs) i guess dude yeah death level two whatever the fuck (laughs) happens um 
So yeah, they force, and then he goes down to clean it up, and they're giving him shit about that too. Like, what are mm-hmm. you doing? The floor, Casper, the floor used to be clean enough to eat Casper. off of. Yeah, they, they also all... say, what the hell are you? They say hell and bitch, and there's a few swears yeah. in there that I remember as a kid, I enjoy. Also, why do two of the ghosts have like these weird New York accents in Maine? Yeah, and then there's Brad Garrett. And then there's Brad Garrett. <laughs> Raymond. No, but I, I don't know Barbara. why that is, but he turns into a, his head turns into a Nike shoe, a little product placement in there yep, for that 50 Nike, million budget. Of course, yep. Kicks him out of the way. So she leaves to go to school, and Bill Pullman decides that he's going to find out, I guess, what these ghosts' unfinished business is. He's going to try to help them. Yep. So as she's going to school, we meet this uh, Amber, who's this blonde botch. Botch. She's a total botch. She's she's a bully on a bike. Yeah. And she's immediately rolling her eyes and all this shit, but she's followed by Vic. He's a blonde bro and uh, becomes the crush of uh, our our hero here. Vic and Amber are the perfect. I mean, Amber's a perfect 90s bully. She's a perfect mean girl. And Vic is a perfect 90s uh, dreamboat. So, so Kat becomes kind of popular in her class on like her first day of school. for yeah, no yeah. reason. Yeah, so there apparently is going to be this high school dance, or I'm sorry, middle school dance, and it's supposed to take place in the gymnasium. But the teacher hilariously announces as class begins that like like there's asbestos cleanup in the in gym the that's gym. taking too long, so we're going to have to postpone the Halloween dance by a couple of months. Can you imagine going to a fucking Halloween dance in March? Like this would have been fun in October. Yeah, this would have been really cool seven months ago. <laughs> I'm that asbestos is out of our fucking gymnasium. <laughs> yeah, great. Um, so yeah, the teacher also hilariously announces her as Harvey Catherine or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, dude. He doesn't understand and the commas and where the last and first name go. An educator. <laughs> And, of course, all the kids find this hilarious. Yeah, of course. I mean, why wouldn't you? So she goes up and starts telling them, you know, she, they, she lives at Whipstaff, and they're all like, <gasps> that place is haunted. And Amber is already immediately rolling her eyes again. What a botch. Botch, Amber, botch. And she gets pissed off also because I guess the party was going to take place at her house because she offered up, the, you know, the position or whatnot. And then Kat was like, oh, well, we could... No, she doesn't even offer it. No, like some other she kid, she doesn't yeah. even offer it. Some kid was like, you know, it's like already a scary haunted place. Maybe we should just have the party there, and then they vote on it. Unanimous decision. Amber's like, "Who wants to have it at my place?" No one raises their hand, and then everybody votes to have it at Cat's place. She doesn't say a single word. She's like, "Oh, okay, thanks for having the party at my place without asking me." Meanwhile, Casper tied all the kids' shoelaces in knots, and they all trip. <laughs> Derp skis. Again, he's following her around like a fucking creep. He's weird. So cut to, uh, again, we mentioned that these ghosts created guns. They're shooting, I guess, Bill Pullman's office supplies. They're just taking his box of shit. Well, and, like, they take his John it. Hopkins yeah. degree and shoot it. <laughs> yeah. And then they're going to take a picture of his wife and shoot he's it. Like, and he's nope. like, nope, not this one. And they're like, oh, is that your wife? Oh, is she dead? Oh, we could show you her. Dude, this is the cruelest trick. I can't believe they do this. This is ridiculous. Bill Pullman has the smallest semblance of hope that he might be able to reach his wife at one point once before she crosses over. Who is dead? Who's been... Her death has been just draining his life. Destroyed him. And it's ruined his relationship with his daughter and his home life and his work life. And the ghosts are like, yes, here she is. And they open up the door 
And it's just Fatso dressed up as a woman. And he's got ghost tits. And Not the got... first appearance of ghost tits in this movie oh, either. several and ghost they tits jiggle. in this movie. Yeah, they do. They jiggle like crazy. He um, goes up and gives him a little, big old wet smooch. And then Brad Garrett just laughs and cut to the next scene. That's it. <laughs> I know. That is it. And Bill Pullman must be <laughs> crying himself to sleep yeah, that night. Bill Pullman is contemplating suicide if later. If he hadn't already, he fought himself to pull the fucking gun out of his mouth Monday morning. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> gotta get dark when the movie calls for it. <laughs> I gotta. I'm sorry. So, uh, Vic, Dreamboat Vic, uh, comes to the mansion and talks to Kat and asks her if she'll go to the dance that's at her house with him. You want to hang out at the dance? Because that's a great middle school way of asking someone out. Hey, you want to hang out when we're both in the same place at the same time? Sounds scandalous. And she says yes, of course, because who wouldn't say yes to Vic? He's hunky. He's hunky. But Vic's walking back from the mansion, and who's there hiding behind a tree? It's fucking Amber. <laughs> oh, yeah. Batch. What a batch, dude. What and a she's batch. like, did you ask her out to the dance? He's like, yeah, babe, I did. That seems mean, though. And she's like, screw you, Vic. So Kat learns that Casper pretty much has no memory of his life beforehand. And so at this point, he turns into Superman and then grabs her when she doesn't want to. What, what is it? He asked her to well, hang so out with he's her at the like, dance, He's right? like, you know, I could dance with you at the dance. And she's like, no, like a living boy has asked me out. That's okay. Yeah, he's like, what's the difference between me and Vic? And she's like, a pulse and a fucking <laughs> A reflection dick. in the mirror and <laughs> yeah. skin. There are so many skin puns, by the way, in this. Bag of bones and fleshy this and that. And it's just yeah. <laughs> skin puns. So instead of... Uh, taking this as it is and just accepting that uh, this girl that he met yesterday just wants to be friends. He kidnaps her. Yeah. And steals her away and takes her on top of a lighthouse. And her, instead of being upset, uh, just admires the view. (laughs) Yeah, they get into a little bit of the backstory of Casper. And you find out that he doesn't remember how he died and that kind of concerns uh, Kat a little bit because she's like, well, does my mom remember me? Which is sad. <laughs> yeah, no, super sad. Yeah. And so once they get back to, I guess, his his old room, right? Yeah. So, yeah, she goes to fall asleep that night, and Casper, again, won't leave her bedroom. Nope. Floating beside her, pretty much, and he delivers a, a, such a creepy line that's, that's said throughout the movie, and it's meant to be really, like, sweet and romantic, but it comes off as super rapey. Yeah, it really does. He, he whispers in her ear, can I keep you? Can I keep you? Yeah, those p- the piano, the music. Actually, the score is pretty the good. Score the score is beautiful like in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's really good. Um, and then he kisses her, uh, or ghost kisses her, I guess, and she's like, it's cold. The next morning, she wakes up, and she's trying to find a costume. And so she goes up into the attic, and Casper like shows her his mom's old dress. Yeah, dresses her in her, his dead mother's garb. Yeah. And she's like, oh, wow, it's perfect for a Halloween costume to be scary at. Yeah, way to really, you know. Yeah, way to kick Casper while he's dead. <laughs> desecrate the memory of my mother. Yeah, <laughs> but that's when Casper finds a sled. Yeah, Rosebud. And he realized, <laughs> Rosebud, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I was, I'm glad you made <laughs> yeah, the joke because yeah. I was going there, too. There um, but so he realizes, hey, that's the sled. And this kind of kicks his memory a little bit that he begged his father for this sled and his father finally relented, gave it to him, and Casper stayed out too long sledding, yeah. got pneumonia, and died. 
Yeah. And, and that, then after his death, he became a ghost to keep his father company? Yep. And then there's a bunch of all these weird newspaper articles all over the floor revealing that Casper's father was declared legally insane after he built this machine called the Lazarus, which he claimed could bring the dead back to life. <laughs> which, first of all, there's a couple things to address there. First of all, who's keeping those newspaper clippings and why? Hey, Craig, do you remember when you went crazy? <laughs> <laughs> and then, but then uh, also, it just I, it, the the whole idea of this is very dark for a child's movie about a father losing his son and like I mean that's isn't that what like the monkey's paw and Pet Cemetery are based on? Yeah, yeah. These- like it's very it's a very dark theme for someone. Who's trying to write a kid's movie? Yeah, Leonard Maltin actually is a famous critic. Roger Ebert fairly liked this movie. He actually gave it three out of four stars, calling it like a technical achievement and whatnot. Mm. Leonard Maltin, who's another critic I used to follow, he uh, called it, was gave it the worst rating. I think he called it his bomb. It was like worse <laughs> than a one star. And he, wow. he, he pretty much cited the fact that they ruined this character by making him a little boy, like a real little boy who's died. It just makes the movie way sadder and just, it's not the character of Casper the Friendly Ghost that, like, like kids knew from the cartoon. It's true. It tries to dive into themes about mortality and about, like, letting go of the past, and it's like, did you really need this? Like, the cartoons was just about, like, oh, a ghost is nice instead of scary. Like, yeah. that, like that's just a, a complete 180 on this film. Yeah, it's pretty messed up yeah. and so meanwhile bill pullman's disheveled and grown a five o'clock <laughs> shadow beard and shit because yeah, again I can't do this he thought anymore. he was gonna see his wife and he does like again he's yeah. unraveling and at this and point the, the, the ghosts are like well fuck it let's pound some brews dude yeah, let's go get him Happy super hour. drunk yeah and so they pick him up and they leave and again these ghosts just have free will they come and go as they please there's really nothing bounding them or keeping them in this mansion and the other thing is we never find out the unfinished business of these three main ghosts. Never. We th- we were waiting for it because I was actually curious. They're the three most interesting characters in this movie in terms of, like, why are they here? Why are they doing this? Yeah. Um, and it's just like, no, it's just touched on that, like, yeah, they just make life a little bit more difficult for people. They're just a nuisance. So Casper and Kat ventured down into the manor's basement trying to find this Lazarus machine. Mm-hmm. And they go through this stupid, like... It's like a human car wash, essentially. Like it, it, you sit in a chair and it's like shaving cream and toothbrush yeah, paste puts a and all tie kinds of on shit. you and everything. Yeah, because it, basically, it's so his father like could just like get up and go in the morning. This saved him no time. No time. <laughs> if anything, it just made a bigger mess and never worked in general. It looks dangerous. There are razor blades at one point. <laughs> yes, just flying Slicing around away. your face. Yeah, not safe. Guess, I guess it's called the Up and Atom Machine, and Cat uh, and Casper go searching for the Lazarus. They find it. It pretty much looks like that fly pod from the movie, uh, from Cronenberg's The yes, Fly, yeah. whatever, with just a bunch of extra shit on the sides. But Cat uh, finds the controls inside, like a, a book of Frankenstein, right? Madoff, you get it, yeah, guys. Yeah, nudge, man, nudge, man, elbow, man, elbow, man, Frankenstein. Frankenstein. You get it. Yeah. So she turns on the machine, and during this whole time, Dibs and Kerrigan are sneaking in. They they want to try and locate the treasure that they've been looking for the whole time. Yes, that's right. That's right. And so uh, they're trying to figure out how to work this Lazarus machine, and Casper explains that there's this potion sitting there that is essentially the elixir of life. Yeah, it's magic red juice that somehow makes a ghost turn alive. But... 
It's only enough for one person. One ghost. That's it. Are you kidding me, dude? That seems really dramatically It does seem dramatic. Let's see if it plays in later into the movie. Sadness. So only one of them. Yeah, only one person can get in. And guess what? They find him. They find him in the act of trying to get Casper to turn into a human. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's after they discover what this machine can do, right? That they they want to steal the elixir because she says this is basically like the key to everything. Yeah, that's you know what I mean, way more valuable than whatever's in that stupid chest. Yeah, because they find that that's right. That small little tiny treasure chest. Yeah, that's like locked up. Eric Idle's trying to break his way in. Mm-hmm. It's goofy. And so yeah, basically. They try to kill each other because you can only use the machine if you're a ghost. Right, and they want to prove to people maybe that it works? I I guess that's what's happening, yeah. So Eric Idle and Kathy Moriarty just go at it. They're chasing each other with, like, axes (laughs) and, like, trying to hit Eric Idle with her car. And she ends up, so she misses him and keeps driving, never hits the brake and almost goes off the cliff. She doesn't go off the cliff, but then she opens her door to get out and just falls out of the car and off the cliff. <laughs> yeah. So kind of derpy. <laughs> yeah. And she's dead. Yeah. And Eric Idle is like, are you a ghost yet? And like just turns to walk away, and all of a sudden you see the silhouetted shadow of uh, Kerrigan's ghost. Yeah, and so we're led to believe that she has unfinished business, which is why she's a ghost. And so... Her unfinished business is the fact that she didn't get the treasure she was seeking and whatnot, I, I suppose. Yeah, that she she didn't find the treasure. She wasn't going to be rich. That's her unfinished business. I, see, I always thought, and maybe that was just from my preconceived notions of what unfinished business may mean, <laughs> but I thought it had something to do with your morality or, or wanting to finish your time with a person or, or something that was important to you, you know, on a spiritual level, rather than you getting the treasure you're seeking, it doesn't seem very just like moral. I mean, or, this, you know what I mean. This movie plays so fast and loose with with its own themes. Yeah, in terms of like what's right and what's wrong, and it's I just don't. How many ghosts are that are out there? Because it seems like everyone would have unfinished business. Who dies with everything in their life being like squared that away? Don't need to live one more fucking day. I also want to add that this movie, and we'll get into this in the next few minutes. This movie has a strangely high body count does for being a child's movie. I mean, at this point, I think more people have died in this movie than have died at this point in I Know What You Did last summer. (laughs) Very true. Very true. So meanwhile, uh, Bill Pullman is becoming very dispassionate at this bar. Super drunk. Yeah, super drunk. Pretty much like, I don't give a fuck anymore. Best scene. Whatever. And so the ghosts decide, like, he's such a cool guy. We want to hang out with him a lot. Let's kill him so he can always be a ghost. Let's put him out of his misery, essentially. And so they go to kill him. And then he delivers this speech about them being, like, cool guys. (laughs) Yeah, and how he's he's not going to, like, try and get rid of them. And he's like, you know what? It's your house. Like, you guys are sweet. Let's do it. And so they decide, like... Like, oh, never mind. We won't kill him. And then in a drunken stupor, he walks outside, which just so happens to be a giant pit, like a like a huge yeah. construction area where he falls into this giant hole. Why is it four feet outside of a bar? I don't know. There's a giant not blocked, open trench outside yeah, not the blocked up. entrance of this bar. And Bill Pullman dies. Yeah. Bill Pullman's dead. Holy shit. Two people have died in the next, in the last five minutes, one of them being the father of the main protagonist. Now, can we also get into the features on these ghosts? Because our th- our four central ghosts that we've, we, we've hung out with for the most of this running time so far, yeah. very just basic 
They look like, you know, just just round oval shapes and just they're, they're ghosts. They don't have clothes. They don't have any distinguishing features other than their different sizes and shapes vaguely. Yeah. Kathy Moriarty comes back. She's wearing a dress. Fully clothed. She's got hair. She's yep. got boobs again. We got more ghost boobs. She's got lipstick on. I just don't understand. The longer you're a ghost, do you lose those features? Bill Pullman's ghost, also, when you finally see him... He's got a fucking Cosby He's wearing on. his cardigan, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's wearing his cardigan and, like, his glasses, too. It's weird. But, so, we cut back to the the basement with all the inventions and goop and whatnot. And, by the way, the party, <laughs> the middle school party, has started upstairs... Yeah, the worst party in history because kids are starting to arrive. It's like the entire middle school. There's no music. There's no decorations. Nothing set up. There's also only one adult, and I find that strange. Yeah, one chaperone, dude. Yep. He's going to have a fucking... His hands are full. He probably doesn't care. He just wants to get fucking wasted. Dude, <laughs> dude he's going to get ripped for yeah. sure. So Dibs, meanwhile, is trying to track into, the, uh, crack into this treasure chest, and he realizes at this point, you know what? My boss, who's been pushing me around this whole goddamn time, is dead. I don't have to deal with her anymore. This is bullshit. Like, I'm done. And he pretty much says that, like, you're a bitch. He actually calls her a bitch. Yeah, calls her a bitch, <laughs> which is crazy. crazy. For kids. Um, and, and she responds by throwing him out the window. She punches him out the goddamn window. He must be dead. He he's never comes back, dead. but guess what? I guess he doesn't have unfinished business. Yeah, I mean, he's dead. He's got to be he dead. Told his, he told his boss off. He can die happy, I guess. Oh, that's true. Okay. Well, yeah. so she, at this point, now that she grabs the treasure, and she's like, I've got everything I need or whatever, and then Casper, in a bit of, like, reverse psychology, yeah. essentially, tricks her into saying, like, she's got everything she needs. She's got her treasure. She's got her mansion. And then, boom, dude, fucking lights start shooting out of her body, and she crosses over. And again, it's like heavenly light. She's a terrible person. She wouldn't be going to heaven, right? No, I don't probably know. not. I mean, who is there a heaven? Is there a hell in this movie? But I made you pause at this point, because our main villain has been dispatched, and there's still 30 fucking minutes 30 left minutes in this movie. minutes left in this movie. <laughs> like, this is so weird, like, just the pacing and structure of this. 30 minutes left, and the villain's dead. And so, Bill Pullman flies in with the ghosts, and that's when Christina Reed she realizes her father's dead. He comes in, like, still kind of drunk, it seems, because yeah. he still doesn't give a shit about anybody well, or anything, like, and, and he's he also new ghost. Yeah, yeah, and he can't remember her. Um, but that plays out in, like, a matter of five minutes, because she's like, don't you remember me? And then, like... She holds out her pinky. Holds out her pinky, because they made a pinky promise in the car about, you know, if there's no ghosts, we're doing that. That's a pinky promise. But at first, anyway, she's covered in tears. She's crying. And at mm. first, he still doesn't recognize her, and he just, like, grabs her pinky and makes a fart noise, dude. Like, yep. <laughs> that's true. That's that's where the fart and noise is. Like, no, this! And then she locks pinkies with him, and he's like, oh, oh, now... Oh, cat. Wow, we uh, we hopped that plot hurdle in a matter of two minutes. <laughs> it was pretty quick. Yeah. It was pretty quick. Um, and so that's when Casper's like, okay, we were going to use the potion to bring me back to life, but... He's being a giant asshole. I understand. Oh, like, he's yeah. giving up his mortality, but uh, he's been same- this way for this long. This guy's just died. She needs someone to take care of her. Yeah. He's being like a mopey martyr asshole. Yeah, at he's this like, point. Ah, fine. I like, guess we can give you the last elixir. So Bill Pullman comes back to life fully clothed. I might add. You would have thought that if he was given a new body, he I wouldn't wish. be wearing the cardigan. I wish he came out like the fucking Terminator, smoke <laughs> like coming off his body. It would have been fun. glistening. Oh, absolutely. What if he had come out as Arnold Schwarzenegger? Today's the day. He gives his Independence Day 
Ray's speech to like, holy naked shit, in this KY. Is awesome. <laughs> like, yeah. Everyone in the theater's like, fuck yeah! <laughs> but this anyway, pre Independence Day, actually, by a year. Wow. Crazy. But anyway, so. Uh, you know, he's back to life at this point. Everybody's happy except for Casper, who's being mopey. He's like, go on. Your dance is going on. It must be fun. He says it in that <laughs> tone, too. It's like, whoa, dude. All right. She you doesn't enjoy your party. Yeah, she doesn't like you. Go blog about a friend zone. <laughs> post, yeah, go make yeah, a blog Go make post. a blog post about the friend zone or something and leave us alone. Oh, so meanwhile, this musicless party is now fucking bumping, dude. Someone hung yeah. up some lights and decorations. Yep. And Amber and Vak, who are... <laughs> They're dressing up as this ghost because they want to play this big Carrie-style prank at this yeah, party. Yeah, try and scare Cat. Uh, <laughs> but then... Uh, the, the ghost boys, dude. The ghost boys are like, hey, what's up? We're ghosts. Scare them. They run off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in typical, like, oh, the bully was avenged, even though none of us really hated her that much before, everybody claps when... Including the teacher. Yeah, including the teacher. <laughs> when they get when they get scared off and run away. Um, but so let's, let's just move on really quick now, because this is where it starts to get, like, the resolution of this movie is like 10 minutes long. It's insane. But here we go. Amelia shows up. That is Bill Pullman's ex-deceased wife and cat's mother. She comes down in a red flowing dress and she is an angel. Yep. She is a human in human form, kind of transparent, Casper, but she is an angel. Casper asks her, are you an angel? And she doesn't answer him. <laughs> she doesn't. There's no specific answer. It's so funny. She's like, are you an angel? She's like, oh, you must be pretty sad, huh? <laughs> Completely just like, fuck you, buddy, not but answering. But so she's like, oh, you did something very selfless. Um, and for that, I'm going to give you a half an hour to be a real boy. <laughs> no, but seriously. No. So she so, says, she tells him specifically that she can only give him till 10 o'clock, right? Yeah. Well, it's funny because she goes kind of like a Cinderella thing, like, we'll make you a real boy. Uh, but it's got to end tonight. But it's got to end tonight. And he's like, till midnight? And she's like, 10 o'clock. And he's like, Cinderella got through midnight. And she's like, yeah, well, you're 12. Literally does this. <laughs> does it like that. What the? Who? What the fuck? Why won't you give me two extra hours as a real human being? And so we, and we don't really realize this until five minutes later in the movie. But like ten o'clock is like right around the corner. Apparently, yeah. I don't know when this deal happens. I wish they had a shot of the clock at this point. But she blows some fucking dust in his face, and he turns into Devin Sawyer. Oh my god, <laughs> dude! The lead from Final Destination. Yep, young and hip and happening. He's got some blonde, luscious hair. I mean, we talked about Vic being a hunk oh yeah move over dude they they play this out so much too like you don't see his face for a really long time they mm-hmm. want you to build the anticipation of Taylor's how sexy is this 12 year old time kid. so he walks down the, the staircase and everything starts slowing down there's a slow song for all them dancers out there remember this way mm-hmm. i believe the song is called it's really good all the girls are staring at him all the girls want to be with him all the guys want to be him dude they're so pissed off like holy shit who the fuck's that st- that is a hot 13 year old dude all of those guys are like am i am i gay <laughs> what's happening what? but anyway so he grabs christina ritchie and they start dancing meanwhile bill pullman's watching all of this and he's visited by the ghost angel of his wife um, and she's basically like, 
calm down, bro. Everything's yeah. going to be cool. She, she he's essentially like, deliver, delivers some closure. It's like, am I screwing up? Am I doing right? And that's, honestly, in the very beginning of this, the first couple lines, it's actually really sweet. Like, I, like Bill Pullman's performance and her they're really good. <laughs> this is probably emotionally one of the best parts of this movie. Definitely, for sure. It starts off that way, and then the more they talk, the more it's like kind of stupid it gets. The more but it's like, like why are you of- asking these <laughs> stupid questions? Yeah, you have like five minutes with your wife. Ask her, you know, this is, this is, okay, all right, we got to get into this. We got to get into this right now. Someone ask any of these ghosts what the afterlife is like. What is it like? Someone, like, what the, you have, like, the one question anyone would ask, like, hey, what's going to happen when, when I die? No one asks it, and it pisses me off. For the record, Christina Ritchie does ask, what is it like to die? Yes, yep, yep. And he, and wait, he also says, like, it's be, it's like being born, but in reverse. Which oh, that do you remember being nothing? born? <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, Oh, so, we, so you have no idea, you I go back idiot. into a vagina? So then, dude, ding of the clock. It's 10 o'clock. And it seems like the same song is still playing from when he walked down the staircase, which means he must have made this bet at fucking 945 or some shit with the angel. Like, I feel yeah, so like, bad he's for like, I gave up mortality for this, and yeah. you gave me 15 minutes as a person? You Great. Awesome. But, but yeah, they're dancing. Uh, he, they're floating at one point, but they touch back down to the ground, and there's a kiss, dude. Oh, a nice, hot, steamy. Yes. All right. Well, they are children, so let's... Oh, I didn't want to objectify them. I'm just saying. I'm just saying it. But it was a very sweet kiss. No, it's a nice, nice it's a Devin Sawyer kiss. Yeah, it is. Um, and that's when Casper turns back into a ghost, and all the kids for who for some reason have stopped to turn and watch them dance see the ghost, and they all go, yeah, and they and get the most organized chaos all run out in, not single file, but no one trips on it. Everyone just moves in like a distinct pattern. It's kind of cool. Almost <laughs> like they were directed to it do so. It almost seems as though they were planning to do so, yeah. Right, like it was scripted. Very interesting. But, dude, that does not deter our lead characters from dancing, I guess, um, to a little uh, little Richard. Carlsberg! It goes back to Creed. For really some reason, good we always do Creed. Now, boogaloo! Ha, and that's it, dude. Casper, we get a little CGI ghost, little Richard singing to us through the credits, and God damn it. And that's Casper. All right. <clears throat> so, Brandon, um, I'm very curious to hear what you said about this, because um, I feel like we kind of reversed roles here in this movie, because I came in thinking, uh, you know what, maybe it will hold up. You were pretty convinced that this was going to be a bad movie from the get-go. So here we go. Yeah, I uh, loved this movie as a kid, and I had seen it so much, and I think I revisited this, I'd say, about maybe two or three years ago. Okay. And I remember it being a uh, disappointing experience. I remember the folks I watched it with disliked it immensely. Gotcha. A few of whom had never seen it, and I feel like that could have been right there's the hang-up. However, when I watched it this time with you, and we also watched it with my girlfriend, who, by the way, loved it. <laughs> loved it. She was, I mean, it was like watching uh, The Mummy with you. She was she was able to, on point, just, like, quote the movie. She sang that whole song, that whole beautiful song that was playing during oh, the yeah, end that's right. of the movie. She knew that by heart. It was weird. But, uh, Shouts so I feel out, like, Taylor. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm going to give uh, her a little disappointment with my grade here coming up. But Uh-oh. this is what I'll say. It wasn't as bad as I remember from that previous screening. However, it didn't hold up to the high standards that I remember holding it in when I was a kid. Okay. It's a movie that, uh, you know, the effects are, I would say, while I guess groundbreaking at the time, um, kind of hold up. They're just very basic. You know what I mean? It, it, it's very, it's cartoony ghosts, so it's kind of hard to fuck it's up. It's been I'll say. done so much. Yes. 
uh, since this movie yeah. that it's hard for us now in 2017 to look at and be like, oh no, this is impressive. But a few, but other than a few like CGI green screen shots, there aren't anything that stands out that I'm like, wow, that looks bad. These hold up for the most part. I okay. feel. And it's, it comes down to the story. Like, what really bothered me is just the the fact that it does break its own rules. It's a very uneventful movie from start to finish, if you think about just plot general plot points that happen. But at the same time, they also throw so much at little kids that, like, I feel like just go way over their heads. They're going to have so many questions leaving this movie about what happens when we die and... You know, there was a little boy as a who died of pneumonia, and he's a ghost. And there are also angels. And what is that? What's religion? And, and what's God, Mom? Yeah, <laughs> you know, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, I don't know, man. So overall, it's a movie that I feel like I totally could revisit again. It wasn't a waste of my time, and it it, it holds up in the same respects as I say at a movie like Jumanji. This is kind of where I am at with the movie. I feel like it's kind of close to that level of enjoyment. Okay. Bill Pullman and Christina Ricci add a lot. I'm glad they're in this movie without them. Would have been a lot worse. The ghost characters, other than Casper, are pretty grating. We also didn't mention the uh, character's name, but the actor's name was Malachi Pearson, I believe. Is I think the, it was that Malachi. Um, he plays Casper or whatever. He he's he's fine. You know what I mean? Like overall, I give it a forty. Forty. Okay. And the original rating was so forty four percent on forty four. So okay. I'm not too far off. I'm kind of in the same region with you right there. Uh, I was genuinely surprised at how much I actually really liked this movie when we finished watching it. It's a movie that I haven't seen in years and years and years. I remember it, but there were definitely certain elements, such as the plot, that I had forgotten about. Um, A lot of its shortcomings I can forgive because it is a children's movie, but... What I won't forgive is that this movie, while it is a children's movie, sometimes forgets that it's a children's movie because it delves into some seriously dark plot points in this. Like the main character, as you mentioned, being a 12 year old kid, I agree with that review, really takes away from the character in terms of, you know, he's a goofy, lovable children's character. Now he's a sad boy whose life was tragically tragically cut short and then his father's life was ruined because he lost his son and spent his whole life uh, being reminded of his son because he saw the ghost of him and trying to bring him back to life. That just, it really takes away from a lot of what I think this movie was trying to be, which was just a fun romp for kids. Um, Acting-wise, genuinely surprised i usually don't like child actors but christina ricci was pretty good in she, this movie yeah, she's bill pullman child actress not his best performance but he was all right i actually really like the three ghost characters i know you didn't like them oh, i did not no, i know you I don't like them, them. um i thought they were kind of funny <laughs> <laughs> all right dude again um, i'll say the production value was there yes it's just it's lazily script yes it is it is a lazy script um I'm going to say 44 is right on the money. Okay. I, th- I think that's a really good, fair assessment of this movie. Honestly, my least favorite part was Casper, strangely <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah. Also, the tragic misuse of Eric Idle. I really, really didn't like that. Dude, and only one fart noise in the higher. And only one fart movie. noise. Yeah. Oh, well. Take but it But yeah, out. so I'll take a 44 right on the dot. That's not bad. All right. Well, I can't argue with that, man. Uh, so let's see. Next week... 
we wrap up our Halloween Oktoberfest. Yep. This is usually where we would tell you what the movie is going to be, but we're going to leave voting open for one more week, and it'll be kind of a surprise when you look at the title sequence. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Next week. So please go on to our Facebook page, Nostalgia Be Damned, and uh, comment below on a few of our posts, or just send us a message. You can also email us at nostalgiabedamnedpod at gmail.com. What are the four movies again? It's uh, Sleepy Hollow, Halloween H2O, Final Destination, or Freddy versus Jason. You know, all four of those movies I'd love to cover. <laughs> so, yeah. so I think we'll probably close voting, what do you think, on Monday? Probably by Monday. I'd say get them in before the end of the weekend if you can, um, just so we have an easy decision to make. And that's it, man. Keep those requests coming, though, because November is going to be all listener request month. We're going to be closing that up as well at the end of October, yep. so get those in as soon as you can. Yep, so vote on what movie you want next week and tell us what you'd like us to cover in November. We've got some pretty great ideas. Looking forward to November. Don't forget to like, listen, subscribe, share, review all of the terrible things that we ask you to do on social media but it really helps us we've gotten a ton of people listening lately and we really appreciate it no matter where or how you're listening um, nostalgia be damned uh, you can find us on itunes and you can also go to nbd.podbean.com and we're also on a couple of other podcasting apps wherever you have them and if you guys would really like to help us out, it takes two minutes to write us a review on iTunes. That stuff really helps us out. And and again, we love doing this. This has been a this blast. Is so much fun, I'm man. So, it really is. We're so grateful for the support we've gotten so far, and just to have you know the the few amount of listeners we do have. Like I'm just so happy, like that people just tune in and, and listen, and we just love talking this shit about movies. And I'm glad we got yeah. people who are chatting with us back. Yeah, we really appreciate that. So thank you, everybody. Um, that kind of wraps up all the business aspect of this podcast. Really quick announcement because a lot of people emailing and asking about it. Um, I did fail out of Phoenix. What a University of Phoenix. I did fail out of the University of Phoenix. That was shockingly quick. Uh, well, I couldn't get my Wi-Fi to work, and that is an online school. So, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, okay. So I've decided to just uh, drop this whole uh, 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 thing. That is mature of you, Zach. I thank you. But I do have big news. Oh. I have earned an internship spot at the very network we are trying <sighs> to work around. And it, don't give me that look, because my goal here is to start as an intern, work my way up to executive, and pick the show back up, put it on the network. I'm excited. It's going to be a lot of work, but I'm pretty pumped up about it. Zach, I feel like the network may listen to this. How, how, do they, how would they not know it's you? Well, I gave them a fake name. What's the fake name? Ryan Phillippe. <laughs> okay, all right. So they think Ryan, the actor Ryan Phillippe, is is an intern. You, you don't look anything like Ryan Phillippe. Well, you know what? That's up for the big wigs in Hollywood to decide. All right. God damn it, dude. All right. Well, are you gonna play that little Richie theme song off, or what are we? Or the sexy slow dance? How about that one? The sexy slow dance. We already played the Richie song. Oh man, you hear that now, don't you? Mm. That does it for our third Oktoberfest movie, everybody. Have yourself a great night. Hey, Casper! Casper! <laughs> Enjoy the show! Ah, uh, Every now and then We find a special friend Who never lets us down Who understands it all Reaches out